Um, we had a complaint, by the way. Oh. John St. John. John St. John. Hi, Neil and Kev. Loving the podcast and your respective YouTube channels. It sta- starts out really nicely, actually. Superb banter. See, it's going good. Mm. I moved from Nikon to Fuji in usage and can't see why I go back. Kevin's rundown on his setups. Absolutely perfect on your uh, on your F16 clicks, uh, dot click site. Invaluable. Mm. Mm. However, mm. there you go. Neil, you love the spoken word, so I'm going to go on a mini rant. Nikon, as in Nick on, not Nikon. We aren't American, and I'm not sure why this American pronunciation has crept in. For decades, we've said Nikon. I believe that the Japanese pronounce N-I as Ni, Nikon. Don't dumb down our pronunciation, even if talking to those in other countries. Oh, John. (laughs) Having written the above, I feel bad for moaning, when really this show should have nothing but praise. But Nikon really grips my... I won't say the last word. (laughs) You see... ah, it's like the word tog, isn't it? Do you like the word tog when people no, talk about photographers? I absolutely hate that. Yeah, I some people that. really don't. Yeah, but I've always been a, a bit sort of like chameleon-like communicator. My wife tells me this. You know, if if we're out and somebody's speaking a bit East End like and all the rest of it, I'll, I'll like slip into that because I think they feel more comfortable. Hmm. You know, if, if you're, uh, yeah, I posh it up for well-heeled clients. I will talk much, much more <laughs> in a rounded sense. <laughs> And Aussie lilt. I mean, I, uh, Sam thought it was funny when we were travelling across Australia last summer and I started speaking like an Aussie, so that sounds ridiculous. Stop doing that. <laughs> so, and and in America, I spend a bit of time in America. And, you really, um, you've got so many talents. It's I incredible. Sm- smooth out my words. I love the word, the way Americans talk. I love that. So I'd like to be... I. Do you know, I think I'd, I'd have been a good American. Mm, I think part of the problem is, like, you know, these days there's so much stuff on YouTube and Netflix and everything, and... People, yeah. people are growing up with an American accent. Foreigners, but like we always Europeans. get chameleon-like in, in the way yeah. that we talk, don't we? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We, we, we mimic. It's interesting if you speak to Europeans that can speak good English, yeah. and they nearly always have an American, American accent. American accent, that's true, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, uh, most yeah. of the stuff they see is yeah. where they learn their English from is, yeah. is in America. You know, they need to watch more Jeremy Carl. <laughs> Maybe not. The Fujicast. <laughs> right, hello, welcome to the Fujicast episode... 20, we made it to two, two, two round 10s. Very good. Those that said they weren't sure it would make it. 20? Yeah, Did you 20. just say 20? Yeah, we're on 20. Wow. This is episode 20. Wow. 20. We should have had a cake. We, sh- <laughs> we should have done. I think we've eaten far. Well, I've eaten far too much. Well, when we get to 52, we what? need to do something special for Why 52. 52? Oh, 52 well, that's weeks in a year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You know what I just said about your talents? <laughs> That's not one of them. <laughs> this week, thank you to our friends at Simpler Straps for letting us give away a uh, strap to um, a camera strap to our favourite email question of the week. They are military grade, rugged. Go to simpler.us, S I M P L R.us if you'd like to know more about them. Uh, there's your questions as well about anything Fujifilm or photography related, technical, artistic, business, personal, uh, when you send them through to click at fujicast.co.uk. And today we'll hear the second part, the two part series from the wives. Now, last week we heard from Gemma. Were you okay? Yes. Well, um, yeah. We're just. Uh, I'm just speaking to my lawyer right now. Um, <laughs> she wasn't that bad. No, oh, bless her. She's good as gold. Yeah. Um, well, I've no idea what's going to happen this week because I won't be actually editing this. This is this weird time thing again. Yeah. I won't be editing this week's show because. Um, 
Sam, my wife, is taking the questions on this one. And I'm not supposed to hear until this goes out, i.e. when you're hearing it at this moment. Is that Sam over there with the suitcase just getting into the back of a taxi? <laughs> so if you're thinking, what, what are you talking about? It was um, this thing that we did about, um, it was called Photography the Other Half. It's about living with a photographer and being in a photography business and relationship. And if you're out there wondering, you know, uh, is a strange mini series. And as I said last week, even a touch self-indulgent. Well, we're going to address two subjects. Uh, For those that are thinking about going full time in this photography ear business, what your partner may be wondering uh, or what they're thinking and, and... and, and it's good to get behind the scenes, I think, and talk to those that have been through this. And we've both been through this, haven't we, Kev? We both left yeah. you know, reasonably good jobs for, um, for, for so the uncertainty that can be photography. Yeah, very, so, very turbulent. Yeah. yeah. And, and secondly, for those that are in the job at the moment and uh, wondering what their partners are thinking, then we thought this might be quite interesting as well. So the, the second part today. Right. That's what's on the show. Questions, questions. You go first. I have a question from Edgar. Mm-hmm. Uh, short and sweet. I have uh, the XT1. Whenever I focus either the back button or the shutter. Uh, sorry, whenever I, I said it was short but sweet. Whenever I focus <laughs> either the back button or the shutter with the back button or the shutter, yeah. I suppose I should say, the camera refocuses when I finally take the shot. It's right. been very frustrating. Any help will be appreciated. And the answer is just to put the camera in manual focus mode on the front. Well, I'm... Um, Sometimes you get that situation, put it in manual focus, and everything uh, leaps into um, the film mode where you're seeing everything with um, peaking on it. Yeah, so focus peak highlighting will only work in manual focus mode. Yeah. So you can just switch your peaking off. Switch that that off, yeah. Yeah, but the back button focusing, it's not really true, especially on the X-T1, it's not really true back button focusing. It's a bit of a fudge. So put the camera into manual focus mode, use the AFL button on the back, Mm -hmm. and that divorces the shutter button from uh, autofocusing. And that's the way that should work. That's the way it'll work, yep. Perfect. Hi, Kevin and Neil. Um... The first thing I do now every Monday is listen um, to the, the latest podcast of yours. So thank you for them. I'd like to enter the competition and to win a, a ticket to the Fuji X uh, Weddings Conference in Bath. We haven't talked about that. We didn't talk about it last week, which is terrible. And we've kept this competition sort of rolling for, for a few weeks. Yes. So there's plenty of time to, if you if you do want to enter to um, be at the, the Fuji X Weddings Conference for free, then you can send us that. There'd only be one ticket. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> So bear that in mind. There's only one freebie going out here. Yeah. Uh, so if you'd like to send it, make, make sure you, you tell us in your questions that you'd like to enter that competition. Mm. Um, my question is, if you had, and we, we must come back and talk a bit more about X-Weddings, by the way. My question is that if you had a thousand quid to spend on your photography business, what is the best use for your money? Cool. That's a really open question there. Mm. If you could buy anything except a ticket to the X-Weddings conference in Bath, we're going to, you know... <laughs> Put that bit on top because no, that, no, no, that, that's no. Buy a ticket. That's cool. No, well, I was going to say put that bit on top because you need a thousand pound for the for the gear. Put that bit on the top for your marketing and all the knowledge. So, who is this? By the way, you didn't read the name, mate. Oh, sorry. This is Ali from Dundee. Ah, Ali. Um, so we got a thousand pounds. Thousand quid. It's burning uh, a hole in your chinos. Yeah, I think I'd have to pay some tax. <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> no. You've got you've got to spend it on photography gear. Uh, okay, well, if I had a thousand pounds, oh, this is a tough question. If I had a th- if you gave me a thousand pounds right now, and I had to spend it today, what would I do? And something photography related. What would I do? Is there a lens that you particularly want, no. or a flash unit? <laughs> Definitely not. Um, 
A camera bag? No, that's not. Uh, uh, yeah. oh, that's really hard. I, um, and we've got the GFX 100 sat here on the desk well, with us, yeah. right in front of us. Got now. A tenth of the money you need uh, for that. Exactly. I was just saying. Um, uh, thousand pounds. I think. Oh, you, you, you go first. Well, I. <laughs> I, 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 this is a bit of a luxury because it's something I don't necessarily need, but it would be really nice to have it bolted in place mm. for some of the, the YouTube things to, to just have a, a – I like an X-T2. Mm. not Because um, I can't quite afford the X-T3 with that grand, but I'll get an X-T – well, well I'll for get filming. a used X-T2 for filming, yeah. Get, just, an, get an X-T30 instead. Would you? Yeah. As long as you didn't want to record for more than, like, five-minute clips. No, no, this is, like, 20-minute clips. Yeah, you're next T2, then. So I'm thinking about an X... That would be nice. I'd spend some money. I'd have to buy a used one, wouldn't I, still? Um, no, I think they, they, they're about £800 now. The are they not? Oh, okay. Fujifilm still sell the X-T2. It's right. not... They haven't discontinued it. Um, so you can still get them new or second-hand. Uh, I don't know. You know what? Did you... Oh, I saw... Ali's just said, actually, though, um, she has said it, it doesn't have to be kit. It could be mentoring. Ah, ah! Oh, sorry, Ali. This, this Ali, I've got. I, I apologise, and instantly, um, this is this is just the reason I didn't do so well at school. <laughs> I yes. did not read the end, year, yeah. end of the question. Mentoring website training. Oh, so the Fuji uh, X conference know, can play into this. I know what I would do then. Just anything to improve your photography or business skills, and ultimately your profit. I know. I know what I would do. Yeah, I would go on a Magnum course workshop. Would you? Yeah, although they're probably more than a thousand pounds because they're usually in yeah. Japan and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah, I would. Somebody like Matt Stewart, I'd love to spend a day with him. Um, yeah, that's definitely what I would do. Ali's asked a really cheeky second question, but it does does give us a chance to talk about the X Weddings Conference. Second question: Why should I go to the Fuji X Weddings Conference over any of the others? Ah, uh, that is a really good question. Um, here's a couple of answers. Ali, you've been testing us here. Yeah, here's a couple of questions, uh, a couple of answers. Um, one, because I'm organising it. <laughs> um, and uh, Do you get to have beer with him? Two, two, two um, I like to think it's a bit different to the others. And, and I've been to many of the others, and they're all very, very good. But this is, um, you know, I, I task the speakers, and Neil will, will qualify this, I task the speakers with it. Um, I want them to be educational. I don't want yeah. them to stand there and say, my life is great, and whooper and a holler. And, yeah. uh, you this know, is not an awesomeness brigade. This is not, parade. Yeah, this isn't, no. you know, woohoo, smash that wedding, awesome. Yeah. Um, and so I want it to be educational. And it's, you know, it's it's around the Fujifilm community, the X Weddings group on Facebook, which I founded, I don't know, how many years ago. Um, so it's a little bit about giving something back also, really. it Last year, um, I can tell you that I made a loss on it. This year, I'm kind of hoping to make a break-even point at least. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's definitely not about lining my pockets, um, you know, to a certain extent. Um yeah it's it's you know it's nice it's nice people we we you know we cap it to about 55 people it's not a big conference it's not anonymous it's you know it's fun uh it's fully interactive in terms of uh, you know the microphone gets handed around and yeah, everything yeah. and yeah i think we've got some really good speakers again this year and yeah it's it's just that really it's definitely not for me to get a thousand pounds to spend on a new camera though that's for sure because it won't happen i think in particular it's very important mentoring is is even more important in those turbulent times 
um, because it's very easy to sit back and, and, and think, well, I'll just, I'll just let this time pass. I think going to, to hear new ideas, I always come away from every single th- um, talk I, I, I've, I've been to thinking, oh, that's good. I can actually twist that a little bit and do that in my way. And hmm. I, that's why I think it's good. Hmm. They're just, uh, yeah, we know my thoughts. Yeah. Well, yep. I think that, you know, I honestly think that, like, men, I spoke to somebody a couple of months ago, actually, a photographer, and, and, and he said that, uh, you know, the, the industry is full of people giving workshops and training and, <laughs> and you know, conferences yeah. and everything. And, uh, you know, nobody, no, nobody can teach me anything now. I've been around too long. And I thought, Are you arrogant, egotistical. Warning, warning. Kev's about to say something. Idiot. All right. Because you can always learn. Yeah. Oh, always, absolutely. Always. Absolutely. And even if you are the best at something, you can still learn. Do you know who I saw talking on a YouTube video uh, earlier this week was uh, Charlie Waite, the landscape genius. Mm. And he was talking to a YouTuber that I follow whose name I just can't remember at the moment. And I should do because he's such a nice guy himself. However, he was he was talking on this YouTube video about he, he was going to spend the day with Charlie Waite. He was incredibly nervous. And he met up with Charlie. He's a landscape um, YouTuber. I'm not a landscape photographer, so it, it just interests. I think landscape, well, it, it, it interests me. And uh, when he met up with Charlie, I thought Charlie was such a, a nice guy and, and willing to share everything. Mm. And that's what I think when you go to well-organized, well-oiled, um, in, in, in terms of how they work, conferences, where you're l- really learning stuff and you're not just being taken on this wave of awesomeness. And I'm being careful because there are some, you might say, oh, you're talking about X. No, I'm not. Because, you know, I think all organizers work to do this. You know, when you're being taken along on this great educa- educative journey, then um, then you know, hopefully you'll come away feeling like I did after I watched Charlie Waite share mm. what was great about landscape photography, and that's why I think conferences are and, and mentoring conferences are very good. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, your question. This is from uh, Sean Johnson uh, Johnston. Hey, Kevin and Neil. I'm a hobbyist, aspiring documentary star, wedding photographer, and a recent Fuji convert. Uh, Stumbling across this podcast was basically ideal for me. Nice. It was really good to hear that you both got your start by shooting weddings for your friends at the first um, before moving on to paid bookings, as that is exactly my route into it as well. I have my first few paid booking inquiries coming in right now and have a couple of questions about how to handle it. First, how did you manage your clients' expectations for those first paid bookings? Obviously, I'm charging less than a lot of others in my area, Mm. and prospective clients are able to see shots from the two weddings I have shot for friends, so they can see the standard of work I can produce. But I still worry that they're expecting something much more than experienced. Secondly, do you find yourself shooting the cliché detail shots? Of course, the documentary style is all about naturally capturing the day, but in your experience, do clients still want to expect the classic shots of ring shoes, the hanging dress, and so on and so on? So, first of all, Sean, um, because you are just entering this wonderful world of documentary Mm. wedding photography i shall be sending you a well i won't be but simpler straps will be sending you a rugged military grade strap as neil would say um because this is a good question um and in terms of uh the first point about uh the pricing and uh, client expectations ultimately if you're honest and you just tell them exactly as it is you show them the pictures you've taken you're honest you have a if they are paying you should have a contract and in that contract there should be a clause that basically says that they have uh they understand your work your style and uh you know they're they're okay with that so they can't come back and say we just didn't like the pictures 
and uh, and and away you go. And yes, we did all start somewhere. And you you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with with charging lower rates to get yourself uh, your foot on the on the ladder as long as you you kind of keep climbing up that ladder. So yeah, don't 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 overstress it. Don't worry about it. Uh, I think we said this a couple of weeks ago. Just get on and do it. You know, don't let the don't let these little minor negative thoughts in your mind stop you from doing these things. It's it's really important. Um, detail shots. Um, well, so things like classic shots. So by by classic shots of ringed shoes hanging in the dress and so on. I never ever 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 do any of that. Do you not? No, mm. uh, never. Is that see? I do. And I, I think that can still be the a documentary of because yes. it's stuff absolutely, and I, that's you know that's what I was going to caveat yeah. with. It doesn't mean that you can't take those pictures and it no, still be a, a no. documentary. It's only when somebody when when you start hoofing around the place trying to find an oak tree to hang a dress from yeah. that I think it you know then you're thinking well does the the average intelligent person normally hang their dress from a tree yeah it always makes me laugh the shot of the rings mostly because it's like you know I see these be- and they're beautiful pictures don't get me wrong um, of these rings in a box or whatever on a windowsill mm. where the light is perfect etc and I'm like what what is that picture actually for because those rings are going to be on their fingers for the rest of their lives they're going to see those that ring more than they're going to see their 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 partner yeah. they're going to see those rings more than they're going to see anything else in the entire world do they need a picture of them you know i can understand like taking a picture of the the naming board or something the seating plan you know, especially if they've been creatively done yeah n- normally they've had some sort of creative input to them yeah because that's going to go they're in never going to see it it's going to go in the attic isn't it and let's face it and you know and, and or it's going to be thrown away yeah, after yeah. 10 years yeah. so but rings that always makes me chuckle um but that's just me it's the same thing uh, <laughs> with with, um, with regard putting them as as the focal point of the start of your website when you you start with a picture of rings or uh. or some shoes. It says absolutely nothing about the day, um, and and even though I think we differ here, that I think they're you know important. Um, I take the stuff I, of the day. They're not necessarily a focal. I take part of the day pictures of all of those things. But I do them throughout the day when I get an opportunity, although not the hanging of the dress. So in my little um, arsenal of things that I must do during the day, I I, you know, I always get a picture of the back of the bride's dress. But it's yeah. when she's wearing it, and I you know I remember to try and to get a shot of it. Uh, the rings, one of the trickiest shots to get, and but one I always still try and get is during the first dance when the groom has his arm over the back of the bride's right. shoulder and vice versa. So I'll spin around until I can see the ring, assuming they're not doing something like, you know, uptown funk and dancing all over the place. <laughs> but if they're doing your, your normal bridal shuffle, then I'll, I'll, use, Grip my, and grin. I'll use my 56 1.2 to, to try and get a shot of the, the ring there. Um, shoes, well... Honestly, shoes. Oh, shoes. I tell you what I think about shoes. Shoes are shoes. The shoes. Kev, no, people spend a lot of time choosing these shoes. I, careful now, uh, careful. Uh, no, listen, I, I, honest to God, and brides, if you're listening to me, <laughs> please don't spend £2,000 on a pair of shoes and then wear a dress that covers them up all day. What is that? What is the point? I just do not get it. Your Laboutins can't be seen. <laughs> what well, I really do not get it. Honestly, I do not get it. Uh, but I am a man. I appreciate that. Um, you know. But I, I, I've recently noticed, you know, a handful of brides kind of wearing pretty funky. Um, I saw silver uh, DMs a couple trainers, of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Silver DMs. Um, I like those. You know, and, and that's that's all cool. And actually, I, I laugh with the the I had a joke with a bride that was wearing the silver DM. She said I was going to paint them red underneath, so everybody thought I had Laboutins, <laughs> but she didn't. Right. Right, we're going to come back with more of your questions. Um, second part now. 
in our meet the other halves thing last week we met Gemma Kevin's other half and actually I you know all said and done I, I she obviously has a great respect and admiration for for what you do I of course feel like you said last week when you said I feel like the groom <laughs> who's just about to um, to hear his best man talk and he's not quite sure what's going to come out of his mouth and I think I feel a similar way now because you interviewed Sam. Any, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not going to hear this till the this episode airs on on Monday. Well, you know, what what I will say is that um, you probably misunderstand uh, the amount that you think she likes you. <laughs> Hold on, I think. Warning, warning. <laughs> no, 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 not at all, not at all. Listen anyway, and you will, uh, you will soon find out. All right, so uh, we have uh, Sam, who is Neil's wife this week, and uh, last week obviously he spoke to Gemma, my wife, and I still haven't really kind of got over that experience. I must admit. So, and Gemma said she was very nervous. You're not nervous, are you, Sam? A little bit nervous. A little bit nervous. Um, so, first thing off the bat, is it true that Neil has the biggest, hairiest microphone <laughs> in the, all of Newbury? <laughs> I've not seen anyone else's microphone, so I, I don't think uh, it's a fair question. Uh, I've seen lots of uh, Neil's microphones, and they're all big and hairy. Um, anyway, so to be uh, a little bit more serious, obviously the whole point of these little chats is to give the the other half's viewpoint on being a wife of a photographer yep okay and the idea an acronym for that there there probably is yeah there probably is and the idea is for especially for the people who are um just thinking about starting out going professional and you know the impact that might have on family life etc so thinking back to uh when did neil start when did he when did he first become a photographer we were well we were working together in another industry at the time um and he was it was very much a, a hobby um and then the sort of the hobby became more serious hmm. um and then well it was actually one day he was given an ultimatum essentially it's either drop your hobby um and concentrate on your full-time business more or your hobby needs to become your full-time business did that and ultimatum come from you no no not at all right. it came from our, our boss at the time okay um and so it was it was pre-children yeah. um although we you know we did have a mortgage and so we were sort of we still had responsibilities as yeah, such, um, yeah. but we—I I suppose it was just a, one of those. Well, I'll go back a little bit. Actually, there'd been a Christmas which had been particularly stressful in terms of what he was doing previously, mm. um, and so actually, you know, it was that kind of time. Is it? Is there ever a good time for a leap of faith? I mm. guess. Um, so we 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 thought actually, let's just see what happens give it a go so I carried on working um, full time in the company that we were working in before and then he sort of took that leap of faith but when we first started the business we would do anything we could to try and you know get just business through the door mm. so um, I mean that was probably 15 years ago so we were we would you know deliver leaflets at you know nine mm. ten eleven o'clock at, lo- at night any business opportunity we would take and we always used to think um that it was going to be the next big thing and this yeah. was going to be the opportunity that would sort of launch the business and sometimes things were great and other times you know we'd be absolutely flogging ourselves yeah, yeah. um and we used to laugh because we'd make we'd you know we'd make 
a pittance really and then we'd go and spend all the profits on curry um so actually you know in terms of business it, it wasn't great but what it it showed us that you know well it taught us a lot if you like um you know i'd say that one of the things that i've always known about neil and admired about him and this is true for everybody i know that knows him is that he's probably uh, and i would say like with quite strong confidence he's probably the hardest working person i know oh he is yeah um yeah. and so it's interesting you just said that about dropping leaflets and everything and yeah. you know the the effort that's involved in it it was huge it was absolutely huge and and the effort i would say has what he what he does because it's very very much a he now rather than a we um but what he does has changed in terms of i think you know, sort of rise of the internet, the way that social mm. media has gone, etc. Over the last fifteen years, it's changed. But his effort and his sort of, you know, work ethic has not changed, yeah. and it is, it, it's relentless. And you know, there are often times. So we're sat here at the end of the garden at the moment in the studio, and the light will still be on, and I'll be in the house, and mm. you know, I might be watching the latest box set, or um, you know, I'll be sort of stood ironing, and I'll and I'll look down the end of the garden, and it'll be half ten, half ten, eleven o'clock at night, and he and the light mm. will still be on, and he mm. will still be working, and half five in the morning, you mm. know, often. Well, I know. I mean, I, I'm an early riser too, but not not quite as early as Neil, and and usually we have our kind of conversations, you know, like six thirty or something yeah. and I know that he's already been up um, but it, you know it's interesting that you you mentioned kind of uh, first of all you said that you know it's him now but you were part of it for quite a while at least yes. and yeah. and actually you know what I don't think that uh, it's a partnership anyway isn't it because you know you're you're helping him in other ways that you know allow the business to, to kind of carry on and grow as as Gemma is with me yes, you know yeah. and, and, and I th- so I think it is, a, it is a partnership thing but one of the you know I know that Neil uh, I know that he, you know, he's very much, and all of that that effort and hard work, you know, has manifested itself in this, you know, your beautiful house and your your beautiful family and the kids are lovely and everything, you know, and um, does that come with any kind of? Um, is there a compromise? Is there? Do you? Uh, I'm fairly sure that Gemma would say that sometimes on a Saturday in July she'd quite like me to take Albie to the football or something. Yeah. Um, you know, but but there are swings and roundabouts, of course. You know, definitely. Yeah. And you know, do you ever find yourself thinking, oh, you know, I just wish that not this Saturday. Is that a thing from a, from your point of view? I think that because. I got used to the idea before having children, if you like, mm. then we've that's all I've ever known. Yeah. Um, and so from my perspective, I'm, I'm lucky that my parents are um, sort of local. And so therefore weekends tend to be, you know, my parents and then the boys mm. or, you know, if we're doing something as a family. Mm. Um, but it definitely it's it makes a huge impact. And there are lots of times I know when we, we we've had countless conversations about the fact that, um, you know, he feels he's missed out on a lot of the boys as they've been growing up. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's that compromise is huge. Yeah. Um, and there's I, I know there are there are there are other people that we you know sort of through photography we've got to know who have actually they've started in the industry and after a relatively short period of time they've realized the sacrifices that you've had to make and they've decided it's not for them and i can completely see that um and you know there are times even from the boys perspective they think oh it'd be nice that you know if if dad was here today and you know there are sort of certain moments aren't there that you'd actually want to share Mm -hmm. which you think oh okay and i the flip side 
is very much that during the weeks he's been a, he's always around and, yeah. you know we 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 don't whinge and moan from that perspective no. this not this is not a case of kind of oh you know woe is me isn't this hard mm-hmm. because it's not mm-hmm. um but you you ha- absolutely have to appreciate that there is that sacrifice and what we have said is that okay if you're not here at the weekends what can we do during the weeks yeah so you know Friday night sometimes it might be that we go into town as a family and you know we go out for something to eat or um, you know and and equally holidays I think we have we have more opportunities to do things and you know often you look and it might be mum or dad who's going into London having to leave at six o'clock in the morning not getting back at eight o'clock at night whereas actually during the summer you know, he can look at his diary and he thinks, all right, you know, I've got a Tuesday off. What should we do mm-hmm. today? Sun's mm-hmm. sun shining. Let's go down the beach. Yeah. So I think I think you you manage your family life according to, um, you know, the commitments of the work diary um, and also appreciative of the fact that there are times of the year. You know, it might be August that yep. you're thinking, OK, so you've got maybe 10 weddings this month. Mm-hmm. That means we might not see a lot of each other. Yeah. Um, but then on the days that you don't have a commitment, make sure you do something on those days and yeah. make sure you make those days special. Yeah, absolutely. And for example, last last year you went to Australia for a month, yeah, didn't you? So, absolutely, you know, yeah. I suppose the, the reason why I brought that up is because, you know, there's going to be a lot of people listening who are part-time photographers currently i.e they shoot weddings on Saturday and then they have a day job as well and you know we've talked about this a lot on the podcast and neither Neil or myself have any issues with that whatsoever um sometimes I wish I had a day job Mm -hmm. as well you know um but that that the absolute fact of it and you and you you know you, you spoke about it perfectly there is that it will if you are at work during the week and you're shooting weddings on a saturday it will impact your family life yeah. and a lot of people you know if you're young and single and you know that doesn't matter so much but a lot of people i've seen many of them they you know they charge you know reasonable rates but low so they they end up shooting a lot of weddings mm-hmm. 50 60 weddings and they just run after the cash. They run after the money. And, you know, every Saturday and perhaps Sunday, they're working at weddings. And then during the week, they're, they're you know, they've got their day job. They never earn it. They never charge enough with the weddings to, to get to that point where they can switch off the day job because they just don't push their prices high yeah. enough. And they're the ones that burn out. They're the one I've seen divorces from it. I've mm-hmm. seen carnage, like complete and utter carnage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, both you and Gemma have been at the, uh, you know, the boiling pot end, really, I suppose, in terms of seeing, going, for, watching a photography business start from something completely different you know like going to work monday to friday you know and yeah. then all of a sudden it's it's completely flipped mm. um you know and there's 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 collateral damage that can happen but you have to like you said you have to prepare yourself and you have to make um compromises that allow you to have a good life with it you know um for example like i never work in august I just, you know, I don't. Yeah. Um, you did, you guys didn't last year. Uh, you, you, Neil and yourself have just been on holiday, and you know we were talking on the podcast earlier about your next your upcoming holiday and stuff. And it, and that's what you need to do. You need yeah. to make time during the week. You need to do that. Um, otherwise, it can become way, way too much of a burden. I feel. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that I mean one thing that I think we have learnt, and we've learnt sometimes. You know, that there are times when. I don't feel I see a lot of him. He doesn't f- see that he f- sees a lot of us. You know, it's very much like... I see a well, lot of him these yeah, days. Yeah, you see a lot of him. Um, <laughs> and 
you know, it's that's really, really hard. And I think there are those times if you get to that point, then you have to say, okay, how am I going to redress the balance? Mm. What am I going to do? Because this is unsustainable. Um, and so I think what for anyone that's looking at, you know, the beginning of that journey, not in a sort of patronising way, but it's never be, it's be prepared to have those discussions yeah. and say, you know, this is, this is unsustainable. Um, and, you know, just be honest and open about it. And that, that can lead to some sort of heated discussions because mm. of course you're both coming from it from a slightly different perspective. You know, you're, you're both seeing that you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders. And it might be that actually, so from my perspective, you know, I feel that I'm doing everything. So I'm doing everything around the house. I also have a job. So I'm working during the day. Yeah. You know, I'm looking after the boys. I'm doing this. I'm organising that. And then obviously from Neil's perspective, he's saying, well, you know, I'm running a business. I'm doing this. I'm yeah. juggling that. I'm the, juggling the other. And normally from our perspective, it's, it's that I will have said something to him and it will have gone sort of in one ear and out the other. And we, we do kind of we do laugh about it. But, you know, that's that's where I have to appreciate, actually, it's relentless sometimes. Mm. And when he's juggling as many things as he's juggling, then, you know, I have to be prepared that actually sometimes family life mm-hmm. does come second. Mm. But that I struggle with, you know, because for me, it always comes first. Yeah. So, you know, there's 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 definitely areas which you can, that can cause... I suppose yeah. frustration, but equally, that I think that exists in life generally. So yeah. I wouldn't say that was just exclusive to the fact that you know he is a photographer, a broadcaster, you know, podcaster, etc. No, so. no, absolutely, I totally agree. And and it's you know, if you're a, a brain surgeon or something, that's yeah. you know, same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although you wouldn't have a brain surgeon who just shop, uh, just brain surgeried on Saturdays and True. did it for yeah. really cheap and stuff. Um, but you, you just said there, you know, he's a photographer or a broadcaster. So. Um, um, okay, let me ask you this question: If you were to, if if Jack and Thomas were in school and somebody said to them, "What did your daddy do?" What would they, what would they say these days? Would they say? Would they still say he's a photographer? Yeah, or would they, they say? Would. Yeah, he's not a podcaster, broadcaster. No, I think they would still go down the photography route because I think in terms of. I suppose it's almost more tangible for them, Mm. you know, actually to see him with a camera and to know that on a Saturday he goes out and he shoots weddings Mm. and then he comes back and, you know, often he'll he'll be sat editing. And so they will see those photographs. He you know, that's that's an easy thing for them to understand. Mm. Um, However, I think I think I can begin to see that sort of transition, you know, that, um, you know, it's probably if I look at where he what he's really enjoying and where he's spending his time most Mm. um you know and i think it's again it's early days um but we've always said that sound is incredibly important to him and i can't you know obviously that comes from the broadcasting background etc and it came from when he had the opportunity to start doing the photo films Mm -hmm. you know that was an amazing opportunity to include sound alongside the photography yeah um but you must see him opposite, you know, where I'm sat at the moment is where obviously he normally sits. And I'm sorry that he hasn't let you drive. I know. Um, I wanted to drive the spaceship. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> but he, um, he's happy, you know, he's he's very natural here, isn't he? He's yeah. that whole, and I, and I think he's, 
sometimes he talks about being an imposter in terms of photography mm. which is a funny thing in a way because actually he's 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 a very successful very skilled um you know photographer in his own right mm. but i think because he came from a broadcasting career he almost feels that that sort of defines him and obviously he was very successful so I, yeah, it's a funny thing, and I'm sure in his head, it, that's you know, he still feels that he is he is a broadcaster and maybe a broadcaster who's been a successful photographer. I, I don't know, uh, but yeah, interesting. I suppose. I mean, one of the things that uh, I love about Neil, and it, it, it's quite a personal thing, is the you know, I know that he has a uh, a soft center. I know that he's very family orientated. I know that. Um, you know he misses his parents deeply yeah, and you know one of the things he he often alludes to is that um you know he got his strong work ethic from his father mm, you know definitely uh, from his dad and uh, and you can see that you can mm. you can you can see that and you know and i know that he you know he still thinks about his parents a lot um now here's a quick question in let's imagine uh, thomas and jack are neil's age Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thirty-five or so. Yeah. yeah roughly. <laughs> um, and uh, and somebody said to Thomas and Jack, "Tell me one thing that uh, you your father gave you, your dad gave you, in terms of uh, not I'm not on about like a, a nice shiny pen or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, what what might they say? Do you think? I just one. Oh, <laughs> you know, I like to pontificate. Um, well, funny enough, I think it would be a work ethic. Mm. I do think they they get that, um, and despite the fact, I mean, Jack's the same age as um, uh, um, Rosa. Rosa, yeah, oh, yeah. I want to say Albie, but she's not. No, it's the no, other no, way no. yeah, the other way around. Yeah. Um, so you'll you'll see that transition. I'm guessing at the moment between being at you know primary school age, going into secondary school, mm. and probably all the attitude that comes with it. And you know we spent we're spending a long time at the moment talking about aptitude mm. and not necessarily ability, but mm. actually you know in terms of attitude to things. Um, I I don't mind whether you are the best. But I care about whether you try your hardest. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, and I think in terms of role models, hopefully, you know, we both, that's that's what we give them. And, you know, when they see how hard he works yeah. and, it you know, it, it is relentless, even though at the moment we are having those sort of open conversations because we're sort of pre-teenage and, you know, yeah, a lot of yeah, it's yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, I think it's that sort of, you know, that's that drip feed thing. And I think, you know, how if, if we're honest with ourselves when we were 11 years old, could we hand on heart say, actually, we always tried our hardest, no. you know, and actually, you know, it's only in hindsight that, you know, I've learned about how hard my parents had to work yeah. to just really make ends meet a lot of the time Um, and it's the sort of things that happen behind the scenes but now I really really appreciate it and I think they will too Mm. I think there's a you know there's a sort of thing when they look back and hopefully they're on a pint somewhere then they might turn around and say do you know what thank you for all those weekends that you really busted up to make sure that we had that extra time during the summer holidays Mm. where we could spend time together and but yeah you know hopefully it is that work ethic that they would that they would they would think back on yeah and you know what i think you might be right so um anyway it's like a it's like a nil loving isn't it uh, it's, it's a bit like, like a nil oh, loving isn't I it know, yeah. I, I still don't know what Gemma said so i'm kind of like 
I wanted to try and uh, I wanted to try and get some decent kind of questions in. Yeah. But at uh, least you've come uh, across as a really nice person. So whatever <laughs> happened on last week, it's fine. <laughs> we may not have any any listeners anymore no, after what Gemma point. said. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the uh, meeting the the other halves segment of the show. I know it was a. It was uh, different to what you usually expect from the guests, and we do have some thumpingly good guests coming up. Not that our wives weren't thumpingly good guests, by the way, (laughs) but I hope um, what it's done for for people is understanding what our other halves go through um, and what they feel about our businesses and us as people and 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 maybe maybe that's that maybe that's been useful that's what i'm hoping anyway and you know what if you have any questions mm. that you would like specifically for the other halves to answer <laughs> um no Don't it's send fine. it to them no 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 send it to us send no. it to click on fridgecast.co.uk and because there may be those little interviews may have uh spiked a few queries or you know things that we never really spoke about or whatever and you oh, might want the answer really to. it'd be like fight club <laughs> Seconds out, Gemma's back in. Fight Club, the collective. Oh, yes. P-H-I-G-H-T. Yes. Very good. Right, back to your questions. Was I going first? With this yep, yeah, you're next. Joe Josland in, uh, in Kent. Hi, guys. If you, I like this question a lot, actually, and I'm, I'm, I'm bordering on giving this one the strap. Oh, hell, in, in for a penny. Joe, um, you get the strap this week, um, from me anyway. If you could travel back in time, Kev, Neil, to the start of your career, what three tips stroke bits of advice would you give yourself and why? Um, three tips. And I, I did actually write some notes on this. So do you want me to go first and then? Yeah, then go. Go, go, go. <laughs> well, I would be intrigued to hear yours. Um, the first thing and I thought was that I didn't do I had absolutely no social media policy. Now, granted, when I went into uh, photography, I don't know if social media was it's all as... the pages and stuff then, wasn't it? Yeah, it was all... yeah thank you. <laughs> it probably was, actually. I went straight for the venues, actually, mm. um, at a time when people weren't doing that. Yeah. And I embedded myself with so many venues that it really kick-started my career. Mm. But now I would definitely definitely think of a youtube channel that was very specific to the type of photography i did if i was a portrait photographer i would be making films about um portraits um, marketing them you'd be doing films about trying to get portrait well i'd be clients. using it from a google juice really yeah but but i don't yeah maybe i mean if you let's just say you're a portrait photographer mm-hmm. right and you're you're shooting portraits yeah. five times a week yeah and what are you going to put in your videos is it going to be how i shoot portraits yeah so the the content of the video then is for other photographers rather than trying to attract it is clients. it is but isn't isn't that interesting google in my my home web my home site as well mm, potentially mm. but yeah, I'm not so sure about the... Oh, dear. I failed dismally on no, this one. No, 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 no. It's interesting because if you type my name into Google, just yeah. my name, yeah. what comes up is is my latest YouTube videos often. Yeah. And, you know, that, that sometimes that concerns me a little bit because some of them are... Well, some of them are very technical. Now, I'm suggesting here, if I was doing it again, it will all, all be about how I want to photograph weddings and things. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's not okay. There's a lot of effort involved as well. Sorry about that, Joe. That uh, I might have to rethink that one second. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to urinate on your parade or anything. But second, second one. I've had to scrap my third one as well now. Second one. I seem to only have one for you, Joe. <laughs> Buy kit slowly was one I I wrote down mm. because I I 
I you know if I honestly had to add up the amount of money I've 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 uh, I'd like to say the word invested but I think um, probably the W word wasted mm. w- would be more appropriate on kit that I really didn't require yeah or or maybe bought too early yeah I think um, we've, all, we've all got that haven't we it goes right back to that gas thing doesn't it but yeah. but I think buy kit slowly you know think right what do I really need yeah so yeah, yeah. I think two bodies is not a bad idea and these days when you hear so many people talk about two bodies two lenses for their mm-hmm. for their documentary work then that's fine it would obviously change a bit if you're a sports photographer yeah but buy kit slowly yeah go on then what are your three I'm going to have to rethink my first two uh, what was the question again was it the three you'd if have you right travel to travel back beginning? in time um, to the start of your career what three tips and bits of advice would you give yourself and why actually doesn't yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say that the number one is don't panic don't uh you know when you're when you're you're trying to think about shooting weddings and stuff don't you know just it's i think neil's mentioned this before you know it's not brain surgery it's not uh you know you're not flying a, a fighter jet or anything it's photography mm. and you know we, I what, think, what is zach arias used to say it's, you're not curing cancer the people yeah, curing cancer are curing m- cancer maybe that's where i got it from yeah. then i can't remember but yeah zach would i know it's quite an extreme example but zach, zach is I a got zen it. i got it zen of uh useful he once said to me um you know what i know that i will i'll probably never be i'll never photograph the cover of the rolling stones Mm. magazine but if one of my students photographs the cover of the rolling stones magazine then you know i've succeeded wow that's great isn't it he's such a nice guy that's an altruistic way to look at life yeah uh but he's a really good educator as well um and that's that's good anyway uh so um number one is i would buy zach arias uh (laughs) number two i would buy (laughs) (laughs) um no so yeah yeah uh, the the idea about not panicking too much um not worrying about it too much the gear thing yeah i mean that's that's definitely a thing i have too much gear too also um and you know what the other thing always is and i still we still see it a lot with people these days is don't shoot too much put your prices up to to counter that even if it's only a little bit it's better to shoot 35 weddings at x amount than it is to shoot 60 weddings at x amount plus one you know it's it it really can i remember shooting 69 and i know you've done more in certain certain years but i shot 69 weddings one year and that was just nearly the end of me um and there are still so many people out there who are so reluctant to nudge their prices up because they you know they they want 70 weddings and you know it's like just nudge the prices up a little bit and bring down your your amount of weddings you're shooting you know it just makes a lot of sense i'm going to add another one in here always carry your memory cards on you absolutely yeah i've had two experiences of this not personally fortunately it's not happened to me but uh um one of my best buddies lost his um memory cards in a car park from a car he'd just put his camera bag and all the wedding in into the back of his car some somebody saw him do that with his car went to his car broke in stole the bag and the cameras and the cards and then somebody else um recent experience who uh puts their uh, memory cards in a small pencil case and left the pencil case on the side at a wedding and then came back to find that they weren't there. 
What the whole pencil case is gone. Whole pencil just the case is gone. Oh my god! So that's the cards. I, I, um, and if you're going to do stuff like that, and in, in my cards, I do actually have a little note in there. that says, "Have a heart. This is somebody's wedding," and I, I put a telephone number. Oh. Um, whether that would actually work with with, with somebody that might do that and think, that's such a good idea though. Discard it. I just thought, you know, people do people do have a heart, and maybe that'll yeah. appeal to them. Yeah. Yeah, I, next time I go back home to Newport, I'm going to put that on my wheels in my car. <laughs> Have a heart, I need these wheels. Yeah. The, uh, kids, the kids need to go to judo. <laughs> yeah. No, I, need, I, um, I always, when I finish the wedding, I put, so one of the memory cards stays in my pouch on my body yeah. always until I get always, home, regardless always, always, of the petrol always, station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the other one is uh, remains in the back of the car, in the camera, in the car. So if, if I get murdered and run off when somebody runs off my memory bag we could edit your wedding you still edit the wedding yeah yeah Yeah, there you go I don't actually stop at petrol stations on the way back I always fuel on the way out Uh, because I never want to be having to stop in the middle of the night somewhere and somebody saying "All right, mate Let's have your wallet, please, because I would never argue with them. No, uh, no, quite right. But I, y- y- sometimes you do. Sometimes yeah. when you drive back from Scott, I always come back after a wedding oh, in the yeah. UK. So sometimes, yeah. but yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't normally stop. The mini habit. Right, your question. Uh, my question. Yes, uh, Richard Murray. Richard Murray. Hey, Kevin and Neil, um, or Neil and Kev. He says Neil with uh, Neil mm, Kev. It's like Anton Deck. Uh, love the podcast. They make me look forward to getting up first thing on a Monday morning. Who's Ha-ha. who's Ant? Who's Deck? Who's the one that got in trouble for? Uh, no, don't then. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be that one. That's Ant. Go on then. Sorry. Uh, keep up the good work. My question is: When editing the final cut of images to send to a client, do you go through the images and place them in some kind of order, not just the order they were shot, so they make more of a story visually? Cheers, Richard. Yeah. No, mine are always in chronological order. Yeah, mine are too. I don't see why you wouldn't do that. No. Yeah. I mean, I have seen some uh, fairly creative uh, photo montages where, uh, you know, they, they kind of throw in a few of the the speech pictures Yeah, first I get that. And and stuff. People do that in video as well. Yeah. Well, a lot of videos. But not the general's collection. I would yeah. send to the clients always in, in, um, uh, in chronological order. Yeah, and definitely in the album and stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we're gonna we're gonna whisk through a few questions here because we've got so so many actually in the mailbag at the moment. So Jason Holt, hi guys, uh, great listen, thank you very much. Yada yada yada. Um, <laughs> there's yada, a lot yada, of yada. Um, there's a lot of rubbish out there, uh, but your knowledge, experience, banter, and friendship is completely amazing. I like the friendship bit because that's the most important thing. Yeah. Anyway, onto my question. I heard you recently talking about batteries and how you get a warning. 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 <laughs> they actually do that. That would be great, wouldn't it? I want that on the camera so much now. <laughs> yeah. If you put your camera battery in. Warning. Warning. In the middle of the. <laughs> yeah. Never mind your mobile phone going off. <laughs> Um, and it should be in Jonas Rask's voice. <laughs> yes, it should be. <laughs> uh, I heard you recently talking about batteries and how you get the warning on the X-T3 of not using the Fuji OEM batteries. At the time, I didn't have an X-T3, so I didn't pay proper attention. I do now. I want to re-listen. Can you point me to the relevant episode, please? Now, news on that one, because the uh, the update, the firmware update, stopped that warning happening, didn't it? Uh, do you remember when you used to put an... Um, oh, no, sorry. No. no, that's the card. Sorry. Yeah. Hang on. Always read the end of the question, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah <laughs> remind us about the battery then so 
I'll get my coat. I want to join a professional podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I want to go and train. Uh, yeah, so the battery will, you'll still get that. So the X-T3, you need to use the NPW126S. Yes. You don't, actually, you don't need to. No, you can use the other batteries. You can still use the other one, but you will get that yeah. little uh, notification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it will actually, you, you, if you're really shooting at high shutter speed or you're using uh, 4K film and you will need the, the, yeah. the S battery. Oh, it'll chew through that in no time at all. Um, yes, uh, but the, the message you're on about was the um, the Bluetooth when it used to come up and say you have pictures on this memory card that were taken on another camera right. it doesn't do, you, do that anymore because the firmware updates start, start that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so that's all good right then so I have a, a question and uh, no name provided oh. two questions two questions QT is a little Q2 is a little sensitive question one uh, if shooting RAW plus JPEG how is your culling process and how do you organise the images in folder subfolders there is no way to cull JPEG plus RAW as one file in Lightroom am I right uh, no is this wrong you're wrong <laughs> I've got a very similar question over here you see no I just started this by saying this is an anonymous question oh sorry <laughs> I'm, I'm no not name a, I'm no not, name I'm not having a good week am I <laughs> oh god oh my god yeah. uh, right um, did Sam say by the way in the because I won't have heard this yet that I don't listen very well <laughs> No. All right. But she was right if she had said that. <laughs> actually, no, actually, yes. She she did mention something about one ear in, one ear out. Yeah. Oh, it's a terrible <laughs> habit. I'm so sorry. I do love people. I just sometimes it doesn't always go firmly in. Anyway, so this is an anonymous Right, I get question. it no, 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 Question no. one. Uh, if shooting RAW and JPEG, how is your culling process? Uh, there is no way to call JPEG plus RAW as one file in Lightroom. Am I right? And no, you are wrong, Mr. Anonymous. Mm. Um, there is an option in Lightroom uh, and it's called Treat RAW and JPEG Files um, Together. Uh, it's in the preferences. Oh, yes, so of course. Click yeah, that yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, your problem will be solved. Well, question two. This is the one that is a little bit um, sensitive and it says, uh, if asked by your own wife's relatives to borrow the groom's camera and shoot a few for free when you're invited as a guest right what's your response to such a question oh. what would you say uh, the scenario happened to me some days ago i was asked by my partner's relatives uh the day before i went in to shoot something for free and uh i waved it off politely and said i couldn't do it as i said i'd like to be a guest in their wedding and right now it feels like karma is biting back because the photographer they hired didn't record the speeches even missed the toasts mm. i have a really bad feeling after saying no and i haven't spoken to the bride and groom yet uh great well, podcast you got yourselves a new permanent listener you're off the cre- uh, the christmas card list by the sound of it i don't think so oh, I, d- I think i don't think he's got anything to feel bad about no, no absolutely not um no, you, you know, you're a guest. You, you, you either invite you as a guest or pay you. That's that's a good point. You know, simple yeah. as that. I, I, I once fell out with a, a, a family member, quite substantially, really, because um, they wanted me to photograph a friend of theirs' wedding, yeah. and they were going to pay. They were, they were, they said, you know, we want you to be, um, we want to gift you to them as the as the photographer. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, you know, my prices are X. Mm. And um, my my family member wanted to pay me X minus eighty percent, um, and was quite upset. And and I was like, well, look, hang on. So if I did that, what would be happening is that I would be giving them a one thousand five hundred pound wedding present. Mm-hmm. You would be giving them a five hundred pound wedding present. I don't even know them. 
I'm not a guest at their wedding, yet I'm giving them £1,500 worth of my yeah. time and yeah. effort yeah. as a gift. You know, and so, uh, yeah, I don't, I would never feel guilty about it. Don't worry. Um, I mean, I can understand why you're worrying for sure, but the the fact that the other photographer messed up is not your fault. No. Don't lose sleep over that. No. Um, you know, and yeah, just relax, chill. Take a chill pill. Take a chill pill. Don't let, don't, don't let, don't let it happen. Don't, don't let it worry you. That's you know, my advice. You know how you also always say that people have brilliant names and, and we don't? Correct. Jason Angelini. Jason Angelini. That's a great name, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah? Angelini. I can yeah. Hello. First off, guys, love the podcast. Both your work inspires me. Photographer for the past fifteen years. So you have lots of experience. I find both of your work refreshing, which is very kind of you to say. But um um and uh, Jason Angelini, I'm I'm gonna spend time on your website. Uh, just devouring what you've got now. Kevin, I know that you mentioned you rarely use flash during a reception. Could you expand on your focus technique? Now, this could be, I know, I know often people say too wedding-centric, so this could be any time you need to use flash, but you're not you're not using it. You've got a, a focus technique. Kev, what, what is it? Well, if, if it's really dark mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it's... it's other people would use a a, um, a flash then I will use I'll put the camera in continuous focus mode yep. um, AFC high speed burst mm. um, I would use the, the the two up from the smallest focus point square mm-hmm. in the camera I'm assuming this is X-T3 X Pro 2 kind of um, qualification um, I would set the um, release priority in the camera for continuous shooting to be on release rather than on focus right okay and that's it really that's good and I'd, just, advice, I'd hit my yeah. hit my i'd set my iso to to crank up um one thing to be one thing that i think some people get caught out on is if they're using auto iso so they set their minimum shutter speed to one one twenty fifth, for example yep. and then when it gets really dark and the dancing's on that one one twenty fifth might not cut it you might no, need to no. go lower than that and the camera will go lower it will override won't it it will override it but it's still better if you you bring it down mm. so if you're shooting the, the first dance it's quite slow but it's really dark bring your shutter speed down to a 60th or something to manually select your manually shutter do speed it. don't let it do it for you then your iso will come down as well yeah. um and yeah so that that kind of thing uh, i mean you know street photography or general photography at home you know you can use zone focusing i use that I, I zone focusing i don't use so much now with the xt3 because it's so good at focusing in the dark yeah. or not in the dark but in, in lower light but previously on the xt2 and, and the x pro one and x pro two i would zone focus so set a focus distance i don't know whatever two meters away um and just click away and go for it um obviously you need to get the exposure right but that's it and yeah mm. i mean uh, i use the the manfrotto Illumines. we mentioned that loads of times but you use flash you, what do you do you you go for it you well um yeah i only use flash for dancing yeah yeah and, and when i do that i i i'm is it lazy but i like to drag the shutter i like the movement of all the lights and i know it's not a new technique it's not big it's not clever it's not just being reinvented but i i quite like that so usually mm. an iso of I don't know. It depends upon the amb- ambient light in the actual room itself. But 1600, maybe 2000 uh, ISO. Um, then I will manually uh, focus on F11, uh, at F11 f- for m- a meter to three meters, that sort of range. And what lenses would you be using? 1024. Um, in fact, okay. I think, uh, Jason, you mentioned the 1024 here, which is it's an F4 lens. But, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm 
F11 yeah. by that stage. So that's what I'm doing. And then um, obviously rear curtain sync um, so that the flash is going off at the end of, of all that shutter excitement. Yeah. And then, you know, you've grabbed all your movement of lights, etc. Yeah. And you tend to have to face back towards lights because, of, of course, I know you probably know this, but if you're going with the light action, then you're just going to get blurry images. Yeah. Um, so yeah. fight the light, if you like. Yeah. Um, there's several parts to this question, but because Jason's got such a cool name, we'll allow him. <laughs> um, also, how do you go about explaining to your clients, Kevin, about the style and lack of intervention? While I love the candid nature of the day, then you ever get those that ask for the bride and groom shots or the family shots? Not so much. Um, I mean, uh, uh, again, we've spoken about this loads of times. I will still do a couple of group shots for sure. Um, and, you know, I, I was speaking to a client, a couple of clients about their wedding I'm shooting in October. And the, and the conversation nearly always goes the same way. My mum and dad really want, yeah, you know, some yeah. group shots. And so I just say to them, right, OK, fine, we'll do that. We'll do we'll do you and your mum and dad's mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And if you want, we'll also do the bridal party, i.e. bridesmaids, grooms, etc. Two shots five minutes done um nearly everybody that comes to me because they come via my website fully understands the style yeah. that's the critical thing the moment you put things on your website that give you you know show off group shots and stuff then yeah. you're going to get people who want those things my website is as much about attracting clients as it is about filtering ones away so the fact is i don't i really very rarely get these questions anymore um you know it's just not relevant to you it's it's not the the people that come through just don't they don't want it themselves and so it doesn't happen and if you if you really do feel uncomfortable about not doing though about not having those shots uh to do does that make sense if you really do feel uncomfortable i'll say that again if you really do feel uncomfortable about not having those shots on your website and you and you feel that you need them for any reason jason um, then f- maybe a second shooter. I mean, going back to the Joe Busing yeah. thing, he, his second shooter doesn't shoot the candidates. His second shooter shoots the portraits. Yeah. He does the candidates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when I take a second shooter on the occasions I do it. They, they're the ones, you know, I, like if I do Asian weddings and they want lots of formal shots, then you ask I get can, someone else yeah, to come yeah. and do it. In fact, I think I've done your formal yeah. occasions, <laughs> even though I prefer doing the candidates. <laughs> I don't mind doing in, uh, in fact, I'm... You know, in in terms of second shooters at the moment, I'm I'm um, trying to hire a few second shooters to take over in the evenings. Yeah, because I really want the I really want my coverage to be longer and longer and longer. But I know I can't do it. Hmm. I know that I'd lose the will to live if I was thinking right. I'm here till twelve, one or two in the morning every single time. So um, you're getting clients that want that. that yeah, more coverage. and more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which surprised me because it didn't used to be that way. No, but I wonder if. Um has a wedding magazine said something about this? Yeah, is you that, know, is that what's going on? But I have noticed a lot of people <laughs> offering unlimited coverage as yeah, well, yeah, photographers. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm wondering whether there's a competitive thing about ah, that. Anyway, the competition's maybe breeding that. And also the thing, Jason, is that, you know, just because I, I don't particularly do it, it doesn't mean that you can't be mm. a good photographer, in, in, a good documentary wedding style photographer and still do group shots and portraits and everything. You know, if you like doing it, do it. Don't, it's not, it's not some kind of written law. And there's a final, final part to Jason's thing here. Oh, Jason, you've got your money's worth here. Also, a question about both of your photo films. We'll go for Kev's first. Are these add-ons or included? One word answer. Uh, add-ons. Add-ons. Mm, uh, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, how many images are in The French Wedding unedited? Oh, this is the, the wonderful film you made of... Uh, it was like a stop-motion one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So the French one... a hell of a lot in there. The French one was just under 2,000 pictures. <laughs> and that was every picture I took on the day. Yeah. The second one I did like that, which was the one in um, Suffolk in September last year, was 
just under 4,000 pictures. Wow. Which was every single... So every single picture I took on the day, and I purposely overshot specifically yeah. for Did that. you feel comfortable overshooting? I did, because they were paying me for it. Right. So it was for I'm doing a specific it, reason. I'm doing it this Saturday. Are you? I've okay. got another client paying for so it. So you're turning out one of those stop-motion photo yeah. films. Okay. Yeah. If you haven't seen Kev's stop-motion photo films, then um, go to his YouTube channel. Yeah. And you'll see them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're on your website as they well, are. of course. Yeah. Of course they are. I, the I wouldn't really call them stop-motion, though, because it's not film that's No, that's the only thing I can think Yeah. in, in terms of... St- Stylistic. I just call them fast motion. Fast motion. Fast motion. Okay. Yeah. But you're right. They don't really have a genre. And there was a question that was aimed towards myself uh, capturing the audio. Are you connecting a device to the to the console, or do you have your uh, recording near the speaker, or do you mic the people speaking? So very simple answer to that. I mic the people speaking. Uh, the closest, the closer you can get your microphone to um, the talent's mouth. Um, the better, because then you'll get good, clear, strong audio. So that that's really, really important. And as for the narration, since you mentioned it, well, I, you know, I, I bring it back here into narration to he my nice got, big mic. He has got the biggest, <laughs> the biggest, hairiest mic. mic I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, this part is very important. Needs to be read word for word. I, Kevin Stroke Neil, use the name of the person reading, i.e., Jason Angelini. Have determined that this is the best email of the week. Therefore, I will be sending you. Don't go too far, Jason. <laughs> you've got, you've, you've just hogged about. 15 minutes of the show that's a prize enough but I'll put you in there for the consideration Um, I think we've got time for one more then that's it for the week okay so this one is from Dominique Martel Um, see another great name I know yeah 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 Uh, anyway uh, hi guys I love your show Um, etc please continue etc Kevin (laughs) Kevin on the Fuji Love Gear Talk magazine you mentioned in your text gear for street photography yeah Uh, that's an article I wrote by the way yeah Fuji Love by the way Fuji Love magazine is, is awesome uh, nothing to do with us but you mentioned you use the Manfrotto Pixie handheld tripod on a camera store I wanted to buy the same tripod to use with my Fujifilm X-T2 but I was told it's too small and not strong enough mm. I was advised to buy instead the Joby Gorillapod 3K which She's is more, ex- more expensive and bigger um, my main goal is to use the tripod when travelling with a small lens like the 35mm f2 do you think the Manfrotto Pixie is strong enough for my X-T2 um, I'd say yeah yeah cool yeah, I'll use it uh, I mean you wouldn't want to be sticking the, the big kind of 1655mm lens uh, on the front of it but yeah it works for me works I use it on my X-T3 yeah yeah maybe they were thinking Dominique was going to put on the 50 to 140 or something yeah I, don't know. I mean it does depend a little bit on the lens on the, the lenses you're using it's all using. about the lens I think not about the camera in that, that particular it's, yeah. all about, it's all about the lens about the lens yeah about the lens. I, I, I love that little Manfrotto pixie yeah uh, really cool yeah I got about three of them the Joby's good, I use that, but mm. I, I agree with Kev for, for that particular one there. Thank you very much for all your questions this week. Guess what they are? They are the... Lifeblood of the show. <laughs> Please keep sending them in. Um, it's really important to click at fujicast.co.uk. Click at fujicast.co.uk. Um, thank you also to our friends at Simpler Straps for len- letting us give away those camera straps to our favourite questions of the week. Go to simpler.us, S-I-M-P-L-R.us. Uh, music f- is from Blue Wednesday. Payoff this week. Um, I guess it'll be Rosa, won't it? 
My dad's Instagram is Kevin Mullins Photography. See his films on YouTube at Documentary Eye. His website is kevinmullinsphotography.co.uk. Or for street workshops, training, and everything Fujifilm, go to f16.click. And for me, it's going to be our little Thomas here. My dad's Instagram is Neil James. See his films on YouTube at Neil James Photo. His website is neiljames.com for pictures and one-to-one mentoring. And you can hear his other photography podcast, which is called Breathe Pictures, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, and don't forget his name is spelled N-E-A-L-E. And a mention, by the way, for the ex-weddings conference as well, um, which is coming up in Bath in, in November. Yes. Um, come on. <laughs> come along. It'll be fun. There you go. There's I'm some, not very good at selling things like that. There's some great names on there. I'm particularly, I know I've said this a couple of times, but I'm really looking forward to to seeing Soraya Cordoville talk about yeah. her work. Yeah, yeah. The work that she does with the NGOs and that amazing, yeah. amazing African work that she's shot. And I know there's quite a few people excited by your one-day workshop on video and audio on the um, X-T3s or the Fujifilm cameras. Very generally. kind. We will see you next week. See you then. Goodbye. Bye.